Welcome back to Word and Table, a bi-weekly podcast about liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I'm here as usual with Father Stephen Gautier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America. And today, Father Stephen, you surprised me because uh, typically, uh, you know, every three episodes or so, we try and talk about a book of the Bible. Um, Today, you sent me an episode from um, all four Gospels, which is... That's what makes it so interesting. I thought it would be best to look at this episode uh, in that context. It tells us a lot. Yeah. So we're, so we're, we're, we're crossing, we're, we're, we've got a foot in all the Gospels today, and it is the feeding of the 5,000. That's so, right. So, Father Stephen, um, maybe you can start talking to us. Why, why is the feeding of the 5,000 as, as an individual episode so, so significant? Well, one thing that should tell us something, we can see things indirectly, is remember in early Christian art, like in the catacombs and things, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I remember we talked about in the Epiphany season, uh, for people who have long memories here, is we had mentioned that it sometimes surprised people that we'd see the wise men was a very common motif. And we tend to think of right. that as sort of a kid's thing kind sometimes, minor... sadly, culturally. Yeah. And why would you put that in tombs and things? And for them, it was more like the Statue of Liberty, right? That we said that it was the idea of the nations being invited to what mm. previously been Israel. So it was, there was a symbol. So this means something to us really deep. Yeah, it was really yeah. deep. So it had a much deeper meaning we might have lost otherwise. Thing. We had to ask ourselves, when we looked at all those catacombs and saw these the wise men showing up, there must be more than we're something here more. Yeah. And so very in early Christian art, the symbolism of the loaves and fishes and baskets mm-hmm. is everywhere. We see a lot of it. Mm. Okay. And actually, something you should tell us something is it's in all four Gospels. That's very unusual. You see, we, we've mentioned before when we talked about John's Gospel that John presumes, we can prove it, John presumes you know the other Gospels. Right, he takes that's as, right. as given, and he's they, the reason the Eastern Church calls him the theologian, he's the one who explains what it all means. Uh-huh. His basic point is to really get down to what does this come down to? And there are very few things we have in John's Gospel that we have everywhere. You know, we, of course, have the passion, you know, death and resurrection of our Lord. Mm-hmm. And we also, of course, have his baptism and the disciples. But when it comes to miracles, the one that really stands out is the loaves and fishes, the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah. It's in John's, and it plays a very big role in John's gospel. Because not only do we have that, but we have a whole discourse that follows in the following chapter. Sure. So the fact that John, that John reports on the feeding of the 5,000 and it crosses over from all the other three synoptics means, hey, this, this, is, this is really important. Something, <laughs> something's going yeah. on here. This is a, hey, listen up. You yeah. might be missing something. Okay. Okay. So maybe a way to understand that is to look at the account in all three of the synoptic gospels. And this is pretty sure, like two lines in each one. Let me read each one of these and let's look at something here. And taking the five, this is Matthew's gospel, Mm -hmm. in chapter 14, Matthew's gospel, it says, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. I want you to notice something here. Look at four verbs. First of all, it says he he took the loaves, mm-hmm. he blessed, he broke, and he gave. Hmm. Took, blessed, broke, and gave. When we look at Mark's account, boy, this is going to seem familiar. Okay. It says, and taking <laughs> the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and t- taking, took, the way the verse took, he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. Hmm. 
and you'll never guess what happens okay. in Luke. I'm thinking these same verbs are going to show up again. It's like you were yeah. there. All right. And <laughs> taking the five loaves and the two fish, you looked up to heaven and blessed and broke, broke them and gave, gave them, them to the disciples and set yeah. them before, and they all ate and were satisfied. So we have those four verbs, take, blessed, broke, and gave. Okay. Now, why am I emphasizing those? Each one of those first three Gospels, the synoptics, and we said, uh, for those our, our um, listeners who aren't that familiar, synoptics, sin in Greek, simply means with. It mm-hmm. means looking from the same vantage point. We said it's like looking at a football game, yeah. and three friends are sitting on one side of the field. <laughs> and John's on the other and John side John has field. a seat somewhere else, right? You know, you know yeah. uh, basically. And so they all sort of have this very common perspective. We see uh-huh. it's, John is clearly in a different place. Right. And so each time they talk about the Lord's Supper, the institution narrative, they use the same verbs. Mm, mm. Because think about it, when we have Matthew's gospel, it says, and now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, yeah. and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he okay. took the cup, etc. Guess what happens in Mark's gospel? You know. Yeah, yeah. They were eating, he took the bread, after blessing, he broke it and gave. Luke's yeah. gospel, the same thing. He says giving thanks, because blessing and giving thanks are the same thing. Yeah. Is the Hebrew form of thanksgiving right. was Baruch atah, you know, blessed to God. Mm. Okay. So what the conclusion is, is that, um, it's unmistakable here, mm. is they, the church saw the one is linked to the other. Yeah. You know, clearly what Jesus is doing in the, in the feeding of the 5,000 is emblematic of somehow it tells us something about, about what happens with the Lord's Supper. Hmm. And we have some highlights there that was helpful. The church said, you notice each of those three gospels tells us something that I don't know about you. When I was a kid, it never dawned on me is I had this vision. If somebody said, imagine a movie camera is there, what would you have seen? I would have thought, gee, Jesus sort of reaching into a basket and bread keeping coming out. But the one thing they all tell us is Jesus doesn't give the bread to anybody. He gives it to his apostles, and it's the apostles who give it to the people. Right. right. So this emphasis is a two-step process, which it fits in with Eucharist, yeah. is that Jesus will feed through his apostles, you mm-hmm. know, through his church is how the church saw it. Yeah. And the idea of this is this is uh, miraculous. It's everyone's satisfied. They've got plenty and more than plenty, right? They emphasized how many baskets we have left over. Mm. So there's even more evidence. So when John's gospel comes to it, why of all the miracles will we have this particular miracle uh, in the gospel? First of all, the one thing, John doesn't have nearly as many miracles. Yeah. And one of the reasons, I love this, John himself is conscious of this. He even actually talks about it. In John 21, he says, now, there are so also many other things that Jesus did, where every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself couldn't contain all the books to be written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So John's clearly saying, yeah, guys, I know I missed a lot of stuff. He's basically <laughs> I saying, I, I, I know that. So John is saying he's very, very selective. Uh-huh. Okay. So normally, he only chooses things that have a deep theological importance. Hmm. Okay. And so what does he do here? What a surprise is immediately after the feeding. Remember what happens after the 5,000 in John's gospel? When he gets out on the other side of the lake, you know, uh, people come up and say, hey, why don't you give us a sign? Hey, how about another free lunch? Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. suggest <laughs> this would be a sign. And this is, uh, so this leads into his, his teaching, uh, about, uh, about the bread from heaven. Okay. Okay. And listen to that teaching in John 6, just a few verses. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food, Hmm. and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And it goes on. He says, the true bread from heaven, etc. So his theological commentary. So I think what we have is, again, John knows people of the other Gospels. The link is very clear there. Uh Also notice in John's Gospel, we don't actually have an institution narrative. What, what, do you, what's an, what do you mean by institution narrative? In the other three Gospels, we're told what happens at the Last Supper. Okay. In the sense that Jesus took bread, that that's where he said, yeah. this is my body, yeah. this is my blood. We don't have that in John's no, Gospel. John. Okay. John focuses instead on the foot washing mm-hmm. and on that great high priestly prayer right. that Jesus has. So John chooses his Eucharistic teaching in the context of the feeding of the 5,000. That's probably why he chooses the miracles, I might speculate, because he wants to have this important teaching, Yeah. but he wants to focus on the foot washing, and it's otherwise, it's not mentioned in the other Gospels, and he mm-hmm. wants to mention this high priestly prayer. So this is the place to get in the teaching on the Eucharist. Okay. You know, what does it all mean by simply going with the miracle I see. I of see. the 5,000? Huh, okay. Now, something is, I think is really an interesting point here, too, is, you know, one of the things we talked about with Luke and Acts was that why did Luke write Acts? Yeah. And we said one of the reasons he did is it appears is you know the the is what's the connection? You know that was 30 years ago or so you right. know, since Jesus. You know, are we just sort of remembering Jesus until he comes back? Uh-huh. You know what's the relationship? We said the answer was wait a second. You know, Jesus in the Old Testament spoke through the through the, the Holy Spirit spoke to the prophets. Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit enters his church, which yeah. becomes the force of Jesus with us. Jesus right. is still with us in his church. And one of the key signs we have in the Acts of the Apostles is the church, the apostles in the church perform the miracles Jesus does. They even raise the dead. Right. They, they raise the dead. They, 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 the lame walk. They don't just walk. They leap. They dance. Mm-hmm. So the idea is Jesus continues his work in his church. So isn't it interesting? The one great miracle in all four Gospels that we don't see in Acts of the Apostles is what? The, the feeding of the 5,000. No accident. Why? Because the feeding of the 5,000 is a type of the Eucharist. And we don't need types anymore. So, so the idea we, is that they're already doing that. They have the breaking of the bread. Yeah, yeah. They're already living the reality of it. They don't need a type of this anymore. Okay, I they're see. They're living the reality and the breaking of the and, bread. And it even says that in Acts that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Perfect, in and Acts 2.42. Yeah, so... Oh, interesting. So it all ties together. Is why wouldn't we have that? Since that's such an important miracle, that's it. All four gospels wow. is because that miracle now had reached his full realization. So in a in a way that that beginning that feeding of the five thousand that distribution that the apostles are distributing to the people that's the like kind of a, a foretaste of the ritual that the church would would be accomplishing later on. Yeah. Okay. It's basically saying, what is the, you know, this is a sign of something much more. What's the real food? Like, again, so John's commentary. Jesus said, here's the real bread that came down. It's my body given for the life of the world. Mm-hmm. And the mystery, like the Jews say, they say, well, how can that be? How yeah. can we eat your body? And the answer comes at the Last Supper when Jesus says, you know, in the, in the synoptic, he says, this is my body. Okay. I this see. is my blood. He gives us the answer to that question. Well, how can we do this? Yeah. And yeah. that's the answer. And so, so it's, po- it's pointing to something more than... Exactly. Than John's giving us the answer. Remember, John's classic thing is he said, look, when there's a miracle, he doesn't ever use the term. He, he doesn't talk about wonders or miracles. He talks about signs. Because mm-hmm. we said the key thing of the notion of a sign is don't look at the... A sign tells you look somewhere else. Mm-hmm. When you come to a railway crossing, you don't admire the lights. You look for the train. Right, right. You know, sign means look somewhere else. So that's why he says... So that's why he says... Uh, 
you know, he defines his, his flesh and blood when people are asking for the sign again. Like, hey, how about you do the, you do the bread thing again? Yeah. He's like, no, 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 don't look at the bread. You're, you're, you're missing the you're point, missing the, the point. real bread from yeah. heaven. Okay. The real bread. And he says, this is the true bread from heaven. Uh-huh. And an interesting point here uh, that we might uh, remember one of the classic things about kosher food is what's, what makes kosher butchery so different? The classic thing about kosher butchery, you know, we know there's certain foods you just can't eat. Mm-hmm. But what about food you can eat, like beef? How come you have to have a special butcher? And mm-hmm. the main reason you have a kosher butcher is for the ritual slaughter, but is to make sure the blood is drained properly. Because right. one of the commandments, it's repeated several times in the Torah, is you can't eat uh, meat with the blood in it. Right. It's because the blood is the life. Hmm. You can't eat the life. You know, the blood is the life. Interesting. And so it tells us something. That Jesus says, uh, you know, commands us, this is my blood of the new covenant. Drink this, all of you. Hmm. Is it saying what God is giving us is his very life? I see. It's a very powerful thing. The very reason we weren't supposed to have, but, you know, the blood is the life. So he said, take my, this is my flesh and my blood is blood is, you know, why don't you eat blood? Blood's the life. And he's saying, no, it's my life I give, like in John's gospel. Yeah. The breath I give is my life for the world. Huh. So more than just a very cool magic trick that Jesus decided to do to yeah, there's show something. his power. There's more more going on there. A whole lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's such a beloved motif in the early church is you know that that promise that you know Christ would feed us and the food he'd give us though would be you know bread. He said, like in John's says, you know, you're the father's ate they got hungry again. Yeah, yeah. He said, Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Hmm. So they ate and they died. But whoever eats this blood will live forever. And that's why it's on, on sarcophagi and things. That's why it's in the catacombs. Hmm. Whoever eats this food will live forever. Well, thanks, Father Stephen. Um, that's all the time we have for this episode. And thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back next time with more on liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.